Welcome back. This is a soft count. So another holiday. It's just been a crazy week. I'm sorry I haven't been able to get more pods. I like to do them like every other day. In case, I, I know some of you that are listening have probably gotten used to that uh, for the last few months, every other day, every other day. However, uh, with the holiday and my birthday back to back, it's just been a lot going on. I've also maybe in line for another job. So we'll just see how it all goes and how, uh, how it all plays out. So UFC 276 was great. I enjoyed it uh, a lot. There were definitely, the last fight left a lot to be desired and left us with a lot of questions, I think. I even got a question on Instagram about the last fight, and we'll talk about that. Overall, we went like 9-4 and four on the night. I made a, dude, we hit on some fucking money bets. Those of you that are listening to the pod, the wild parlay of the night was the three knockout bet. The first fight on that card was a no contest. So we got it became a two-way parlay of two knockouts and we hit on the first one and didn't hit the second one. Again, we're going to talk about that second fight and why that was really disappointing. First uh the first fight I want to talk about were uh, Jessica Rose Clark and Julia Stolarenko. Stolarenko, I can't even say her fucking name. Uh, Julia is badass. Jessica Rose Clark, she's 11 and 8. I mean, both of these women have bad records. Jessica's really, really pretty, and they want, of course, they want her to be in the eyes of the fans. They want her to be popular. Just not, I don't know. She she was submitted in 42 seconds. It was over immediately. I loved it. The second fight of the night, I did want to talk about briefly. It was Jessica I and Macy Barber. Macy, they need Macy to keep winning, and the Jessica I fight, it was a good win. However, Jessica I looked pretty good at the beginning of the fight in round one, but but Macy's one of these fighters that likes to build up over time, and as the fight keeps going, she gets stronger and stronger. Jessica I is old. I mean, for a fighter. and and um, But she came in in great shape. Her first round was pretty solid, and then she just didn't have much left. She doesn't have enough skills for Macy against Macy. Macy's really young, really athletic, and definitely has some really nice striking. And once she got the striking going, got her jab and straight going, there wasn't a lot Jessica could do except try to grapple. And so Macy spent a lot of the second and third round trying to get distance, create distance from the clinch. And when she would, she would really uh, crank Jessica. She landed an elbow over Jessica's eye, Jessica's eye's eye, and uh, she had like a fucking hematoma there. It was pretty bad. The next fight was Andre Muniz and Uriah Hall. It's funny, man. I always say Uriah is one of these guys. You see his body, and you're like, "Oh my god, let me be in that body." I'd be. That's what you want your fighter to look like. Everything about him. Uh, but like I always say with Uriah, he doesn't train. His conditioning is just not. I don't know what they're doing. If he keeps doing the same thing or not, he's definitely like a lot of the people at the counter will tell you he's a disengaged person, a disengaged fighter, like a guy that sometimes is into it and sometimes is, isn't into it. What I see. And I see some of that, sure. That's hard to know based on, like, a fighter's facial expressions. Like, that's just hard to know. But what I do know is that he gets gassed. And by the second and third round, he's usually pretty fucking gassed. And he doesn't have any urgency to get up off the ground when he's taken down. And he needs to because he's a standing fighter. Andre Muniz just took him down and held him down there and did enough that the refs didn't make him stand back up. He kept transitioning and, you know, trying to lock up an arm. It was a decision fight, but it was a complete domination by Andre Muniz. Not the most fun for most people to watch. However, if you're a gambling man, he's a nice bet because he doesn't take a lot of damage. 
And when you go to a decision, if you're a decision fighter, if you're a guy that can't get knockouts and you have to go to the decision, you want to be a wrestler, not a striker. These guys that go to decisions, like Max Holloway, he lets it go to the decision and he's a standing fighter. It's like you don't know what those refs are seeing. And if the other guy gets is like landing punches and then gets a takedown, you lose in the decision. It's like you just automatically lose. So if you're going to be a decision fighter, you might as well be a wrestler. Andre Muniz is was nice. That was a nice pick. Ian Gary and Gabe Green was a sweet fight. I really thought Gabe Green would give Ian Gary some problems, and he did. It became a round three decision, and I don't think Ian Gary's had a decision yet. He's 10-0. and 0. The problem with Ian is he's 6'3", and he's fighting at like 170 or some shit. He is definitely the weight cut for him. He's able to do it now. He won't be able to do that when he's old. That's the thing with a lot of these fighters is they end up having to change weight classes because when they're young, they're able to make weights that you just – it's like incredible. He can drop 40 pounds the week before the fight and then gain 40 back two days after the fight. You see this shit. Gabe Green's stocky. He kept – Gabe – Genuinely, I mean, he lost the fight. However, I would say he also led the dance the entire time. He was the one forcing the action. He was pushing Ian back the entire time. And Ian just landed more punches. I thought it was a I thought the decision was right. Ian Ian won. But Gabe, like I said, Gabe was the aggressor the entire fight. And if he would have landed more of his strikes, I think he probably could have got the decision, but he just didn't. Thank God Donald Cerrone fucking retired. I'm so over it. I'm over it, dude. I haven't enjoyed watching you fight in 15 years. I don't know how long it's been, but long enough to not give a shit anymore. Jim Miller is also around the same age. Jim, Mil- But here's the thing about Jim, and he, he's been active. I've seen him fight three times in the last couple years, and he's won two and lost one. And the one he lost, I believe, was a decision. But he's been really, really active. And at his age, if you're active, I'm all about it. And he did some really nice things in the fight. He ended up getting a round two submission. He choked him out. Loved it. A-10, Jim Miller. He's just always been a solid bet. You can you can bet on him to lose a decision or win the fight. He is really hard to get out of there. I really enjoy him. Jalen Turner fucked Brad Riddell up. F- round one, 45 seconds. Jalen Turner's just cut black guy I've seen him fight a few times recently he's super athletic I mean really athletic and he's got some standing kickboxing that's really fantastic but what I don't think people realize is that he can choke out a really a pro that's 10 and 3 that's coming out of Adesanya's camp he's got Brad Riddell's part of the whole those guys down there in Australia and shit and Jalen looked like Brad shouldn't even be in here Jalen looks sick really really excited about him he's 13 and 5 but he could have that Charles Oliveira effect. I bring this up a lot because in UFC, this happens. This doesn't happen in boxing. Guys aren't – if you're a boxer that's 8-8, eight and eight, your career is done. You might get fights just to like, you know, up-and-comer up guys that you're expected to lose. Like, that's fine. But uh, in UFC, you could be a, you know, 13-6 and six fighter, and then all of a sudden you just like turn the corner and, and rip off like eight wins in a row – and it's like, man, this guy just learned so much. It's the one thing about the UFC that I do really appreciate is they give these fighters chances. And sometimes they give fighters too many chances. Like Donald Cerrone doesn't need to be in there anymore. 
But these guys, Jalen just might be one of those guys where you look at his record right now and you're like, eh. But you might look up and here in in two years, and he's like twenty three and seven or something, you know. And he's thirteen and five now. I think I, I think that's a possibility for him. I'll be keeping an eye on him in the next couple fights. He, he he'll make it to a main card here soon. All right, let's talk about the fight of the night, in my opinion. The fight I'd been waiting for all night long. Sean Strickland, Alex Pereira. So for two weeks, I've been shitting on Sean Strickland. I don't think he's a very good fighter. I don't think his boxing's that good. And that's all he is, is a boxer. And it's really rudimentary fighting. Like, he's got an okay jab, but he stands square with his hands below. He, he holds his hands in the middle of his chest, which I hate as a fighter. It's like, either keep your hands up or put your hands down. Now, and people are like, why would you keep your hands down? Well, like Izzy, if you've got really great head movement and your hands are down, the person you're fighting has no idea what angle punches are coming from. Now, if you're not as athletic as Izzy and you're more like a fighter like, like let's say, Piotr Jan. Piotr Jan is athletic, obviously. His head movement probably isn't as good as somebody like Israel Adesanya, so he has a high guard, keeps his hands up. Sean Strickland literally has his hands together in the middle of his chest, and he throws straights and jabs out of it and kind of uses his knee to protect his body from punches and stuff. It's really weird. Anyway, he's been calling people gay and just just like laying it thick at these conferences, and I'm like, man, I can't wait for Alex to fucking end you. And that's exactly what happened. It was so obvious when they got in the ring. It was like, oh, shit, look how big this motherfucker is versus Sean Strickland, who's like, Never really in the shape he should be. He's got body fat on him, and he's fighting at 170. You can't have body fight, uh, body fat and be fighting at that weight. There's only really two weight classes that you can have body fat on, and that's the light heavyweight and the heavyweight. All the other guys, you better be cut. Because if Sean Strickland has body fat at 170, that means he could probably slim down and fight at 155. <laughs> you know, it's like... And then be the strongest guy at 155. But instead, he, he doesn't have the best body. And he's fighting guys like Alex Pereira who should be who can fight it light heavy. But he cuts weight to 185 with no body fat. And now he's a fucking giant. And he goes in there and he hits you with a left hook. And you're it's it. That was it. You have no head movement. And you, don't, you have a low guard. What are you doing? I mean, you probably don't take well to coaching. Just judging by the way you talk to people and the way you think how crazy you are. I imagine you're an uncoachable person. And if you're uncoachable, your corner can't tell you to get your fucking hands up before this guy knocks you out. Every fight I've watched of him, that's how he fights. Hands in the middle of his chest and he throws jabs straight out of it. It's why he can't knock people out because he's got no power coming from the middle of his chest. It's just really whack. He got fucking ended two minutes into the first round. Yeah, I loved it. I fucking loved it. Volkanovski and Max Holloway went the way I I figured. I don't remember which one I ended up taking on the pod in the end. But before the fight started, about an hour before, I made the decision that Alexander Volkanovski was going to win. And some of that, it's just over the last four fights I've watched him fight, he seems unbeatable. And in that fight, his hands were better than they've ever been. My biggest knock on Alex over the last three years, two years, he, he... he didn't have any skills standing that I thought warranted fear. 
But now he's found a way to combine the power that he has in his body, which is a lot, and his hands are faster than they've ever been. He's throwing punches from different angles. He's, you know, he's got a really nice slip and straight, which you just he didn't have before, and now he does. A uh, really nice counter slip straight that he landed on Max Holloway that fucking wrecked Max. And then he also had another where he uh, he landed a really nice right hook and opened up Max's forehead, and that pretty much caused Max trouble for the rest of the fight. It was one of the worst cuts you'll see right over top of the eye, inches deep, you know, right down to the fucking skull. Kept bleeding the whole time. Kudos to Max Holloway's cut man, though. He was able to get him out there every fight. They didn't have to stop it. I will say this. If it were two women fighting, they would have stopped that fight because of the cut. Why? Because they don't want women fucking having gigantic gashing scars on their face. And so a lot of people are like, well, that's sexist. It's like, it's just, it may be. Yeah, it probably is. But it's like also the reality. There's not a single ref that's standing in there that's going to allow a woman to get her face completely fucking ruined. And they don't give a shit if guys ruin their face. And honestly, with the way the world is, the ref is in the right there. The ref would stop that fight for a woman. He's doing her a favor. Why? Because people will look at her different because her face is all fucking ruined. And so you see a lot, you don't see a lot of these women fights with a cut like that. It, it usually is over. And honestly, I wouldn't even have been upset if he stopped it for Max, but Max is an old head. He's been around forever. And so they know. They know him, and they know that it doesn't. he doesn't care if his face is all fucked up and scarred. Sweet fight. Volk got it in the decision. It's. It would appear that they're, they're going to want Alexander to fight at the next weight class up. He wants to be a double champ, right? He wants to do the Connor move. He wants to do the DC move. Everybody wants to do that because it's legendary. Israel tried it recently. He fought Jan, and it's like Jan's just way too big. Izzy doesn't even hit the 185 mark at his fights now. He, come, he comes weighing in at like 184 and a half. You know, it's like <laughs> you're not going to win up there. But Volk has weighed 200 pounds in his life, and there's something to be said about that. You don't. It's like you slim down, but you don't ever really lose that power of being a 200-pound guy, it seems like. It's like you just know you have it, and in your mind, it's just there. However, if Volk goes up a weight class, he's going to have to fight Charles Oliveira. Let me tell you something, man. Max Holloway's skinny and tall. Charles Oliveira is every bit as tall and bigger and stronger and everything. I don't I don't think Alexander can beat him. I don't think he can beat a guy like Islam. I don't think he can beat Charles. I have no idea. I'm really curious to see it though. I'm definitely excited to find out if Alex can hang with the guys at 155, but I don't know. Those boys are big and Alex is a short dude. It'll be interesting. I'm super I'm all about it. I want him to try, but I'm not optimistic. Izzy and Jared. People were leaving during this fight. Here's the thing. <clears throat> One of the problems that Israel Adesanya has right now is the things he says don't match his actions. And what? Here's a question from one of my listeners here. I'm, it looks like you're probably European. Cinna, C-I-N-N-A. Anyway, Cinna asked me, do I think Israel is protecting his belt? And the answer is yes. Why? He, he comes out and he says, like, I don't care about records. He's got these, these promos, these commercials. I don't care about my record. I don't care about belts. 
I'm just trying to show off. And then he gets in the ring and he realizes I really care about my belt and I don't want to lose it. And he fights that way. GSP did this too in the last five or six fights of his of his belt reign. You know, it, you just naturally become like, you're so good. You're so talented. And you realize you don't have to take any damage. Why would you? And and you can still win the fight. That, that Shevchenko uh, fight recently where um, she, in my opinion, lost that fight. But she went to the decision and she played it safe because she wants to retain the belt. And they know. They know. And I don't know if everybody knows. I'm not even sure Jared Cannonier realizes this. But they know if it goes to a decision, there's an 80% chance that, it, that they retain the belt. Refer, uh, judges don't like to give the belt to challengers in a belt like deciding fight. It's very rare in UFC that a decision will go to the challenger and the belt changes hands. It happens sometimes. It happened to Max with Alex, but since then they have not given the belt back in any of the decisions. And they probably could have in the one in the second fight. And in the third fight, obviously, he got fucking wrecked. No problem there. But Izzy now is able to fight five rounds without taking any damage and still landing enough hits to get the decision. It's really boring. It's not exciting. It's not showing off. But he's winning. And if that's how he wants to be remembered, I'm fine with that. If you can't beat that, fine. It is, it's really hard to beat that. It's also impossible to win the belt fighting that way. Like, if you're trying to become the champ, you can't fight like that. You won't win. But as the champion, you can win decisions that way. They won't take your belt away. I think Izzy lost a lot of fans. His last two fights have been pretty much the same way. Really, the last dominant performance he put on was against Paulo Costa. And since then, it's been kind of, you know, decision fights and, and him taking zero damage and still looking pretty at the end of it. And that's fine. You want to be Mayweather? That's fine. But if you ask anybody who the greatest boxer is of all time, they won't not they will not say Floyd Mayweather. Most most boxing enthusiasts and really pe- people around boxing, that's not even he's not probably in most people's top five, and he's undefeated. He was great. I loved him. But he, you know, you you're, you don't want to turn into that, then you need to kind of swing to the fences a little bit more, end your fights. UFC is different than boxing. It's not the same sport. And uh, if you're the champion and you're supposed to be the UFC's biggest draw and people are leaving in the fourth and fifth round, like in droves, that's a problem. See what happens next. I mean, if if he fights like that against Alex Pereira, he's going to get fucking killed. (laughs) Overall, great night. Loved it. One bad fight on the night that I thought, you know, could have been better. Silverstone ended up being the best race of the year so far. It was fucking fantastic. You saw all kinds of shit. The very first, you know, in the first t- 10 seconds of the race, you had a crazy wreck with uh, Zhou Guan Yu flying into the stands, you know, sliding upside down. Those of you that aren't watching formula one yet but you you like it hearing about it because you're watching the drive to survive series and you're doing all this shit i just want to remind you that the drive to survive series they'll show you a race and they'll show you like three different clips from different races and tell you it's the same race it is nothing like racing it's interesting because it lets you into the kind of learn some of the background people in, in formula one and how it really works how the teams work 
I mean, some of these teams are technology companies. They're car companies. And when you go to their, you know, their where McLaren is, it's a fucking factory. They build cars. They're building race their race car there. They've got fucking wind turbine tunnels and shit. They're research companies. You know, they're trying to find ways to make these cars go as fast as they can. And so when you watch the real races, you've got a couple there's a couple of spots of the race you have to watch. Those of you that are NBA fans, uh, you can kind of turn on the fourth quarter of an NBA game, and now you're in it, right? You've got that's like the the part <clears throat> in a race. The beginning of the race is the one of the most exciting things you're going to see in any sport, really. The first you know turn of a Formula One race, they, they, it's a standing start. They don't they don't like Formula like NASCAR. They're like already going fast, and they pull it off, and it's you know green, away they go, and they're already fucking going 200 miles an hour. This is shit where it's like everybody's starting from a standstill. And then they, you know, they fire at the green. And some of the guys don't fire off at the right time. They're slow and they fuck up the people behind them. I mean, it is fucking chaos for the first turn. And so if you want to watch Formula One, make sure you catch the beginning because it's always insane. Their tires are cold and so they don't have as much grip. And it's just fucking insane. And uh, Guan Yu found out, Joe Guan Yu found out how that is today. Or uh, this weekend, it was brutal. It was a brutal wreck. He walked away, so I can talk about it. And it's funny in Formula One, when you have one of these horrible, horrible wrecks, they just cut to other stuff and don't talk about it. They're like, "Don't even brunch in it. We'll just talk about other shit until we find out if he's alive. And if he's not alive, they will not show replays. They'll just like end it. It's like it's over. He's dead, and then the race is over." And as soon as they find out he's fine, they're like, oh, Joe Guan Yu's fine. All right, let's show a replay of the wreck. And they immediately go to the replay, and they show it, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? So you guys won't show this replay if he died. But the fact that he lived, now you're showing me this horrific crash, Even though, because, but he walked away so I can watch it now. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Okay. Very strange. Uh, but it's always been like that with Formula One. It, they, uh, they try to, I don't know. I don't know what they're up to. But the race was great. Charles Leclerc got fucked if you're a Ferrari fan. However, they won the race. Uh, Carlos Sainz called his own number, ignored team rules, and won the fucking thing. The most exciting part, though, was watching Lewis. It was uh, it was Lewis Perez and somebody else. And then Alonso came up the back. There was like a little three-way fight for third place. And Lewis in his shitty car was fantastic. I don't want to hear anybody shit on Lewis. I'm not even like a huge Lewis fan because I don't. I'm a Ferrari fan by nature. With when it comes to Formula One, I, I like drivers and I like teams and I and I like Mercedes and I like Ferrari. I like both of those teams. I don't like Christian Horner and I don't like Toto Wolff, and I don't like Mattia Bonotto. I don't. <laughs> I don't like any of those team principals of the top three teams. Below that, there's some really interesting guys down the way that I like better, but those three guys are all like. Mattia is has no confidence, and he can't make a call right. Christian Horner and Toto Wolf, uh, they're they think they're smarter than they are, and they think they're more in control of their emotions than they are. But they're really like kids, both of them. They've always gotten everything they've wanted, and in Formula One, when you don't get what you want, they act out, and they've never they act out. They they really do seem like children sometimes. It's a fucking embarrassment, but. Uh, overall, you know, I, I look at 
teams as I look at cars. Ferrari manufactures some of my favorite cars for the street, and so does Mercedes. And so that's why I like both of those teams initially. And then, and then usually one of my favorite drivers will end up on one of those teams over the years. But anyway, Lewis is fantastic. If you hate him, I, I don't know what to tell you. Sebastian Vettel, <clears throat> he didn't do much. Mick Schumacher ended up pushing forward and trying to give Verstappen a little bit of a, a fight. Verstappen ended up getting some debris from Joe Gonyu's car underneath his car. Like halfway towards the end of the race, he was doing fine. And then all of a sudden it was like something's wrong with the bottom of his car. And he dropped like 12 places. It's amazing what just a one little aerodynamic problem can do for these cars. Like you just lose all your speed immediately. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah, great race. I think overall there was a lot of position changing. There were some undercut attempts. There were some overcut attempts. There was a wreck. And then we got a, a new GP winner. Carlos Sainz had never won a race. And there's definitely going to be some tension between Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc now. And that's only going to be more fun. So I'm going to check back in later this week. Uh, I've been watching the Wimbledon and tennis and stuff. It's been awesome. Talk a little bit more about that later. I actually just did a really long spiel about it, and my computer froze, and I just don't feel like doing it again. I don't have the energy. been a crazy week. I'm going to talk to you guys in a couple days, let you know how everything is going talk a little more Wimbledon we'll talk about the UFC coming up there's definitely been a ton of shit in the NBA I just I'm uh it's getting late right now and I've had a hell of a day so I'll talk to y'all soon peace <laughs>